Susan and Tanya, I appreciate that. Beautiful, beautiful piece. So we've heard it said, nothing's new under the sun. We're talking about new and old things today a little bit. We're in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. Matthew 13, 44. If you join with me as we read God's word, if you'd stand as those that are able to, as we read his word. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake, caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down, collected the good fish in the baskets, then threw it the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out, out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. We all like shiny new things. We like the way they look, the way they smell, the way they feel. But there's still value in old things. We find that the case always. We as a church are going to start new things. We have new ideas, new programs and ministries. But yet sometimes we tend to kind of rely on the old stuff. You know, the things that worked in the past. We kind of like to look at those. Then there's sometimes that we find out what the latest trend is or latest thing. And we try to copy that and see what the other churches are doing and what's worked for them. Isn't it funny how we try to figure it out? You know, there's not a formula. <laughs> we wish there was. You know, somebody just say, if you'll do this, 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 and this, your church will grow. Or if you do this, 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 and this, this will happen. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Jesus relied on Old Testament teachings, but he put a new awareness on them. If you think about it, he, he's quoted from the Old Testament. He didn't have... You hadn't figured it out there wasn't a new testament till after jesus had come and risen you know that was all later the old testament is what he had to go on and he, we need the old testament he put but he put that and he put it into a new perspective now we also know that truth is neither new or old truth is truth period right we got that truth is the truth we like to stretch it sometimes we like to embellish it. We may do some other things with truth, but truth is truth. Then he asked his disciples, this, I love this, he asked his disciples if they understood all these things, and they said yes. Does that remind you of when Jesus asked the rich and ruler, you know, um, if he kept the commandments? Remember he said, have you kept the commandments? Well, yes, I've kept them since I was young. Jesus knew he had not kept the commandments since he was young. Nobody can really keep all of the commandments, but he didn't push it, did he? Jesus let it go, much like he did that, and he kind of let it go with them. They didn't know more understand what he was talking about than a man on the moon. Let's face it. They didn't understand all what was coming up. They didn't know what they were in for. 
they had no clue or they would have run for the hills probably. But it's, it's interesting, sometimes Jesus just wouldn't push them, he just went on to teach them and to show them and to be an example for them. The key verse that we're kind of looking at today is obviously 52 where it talks about that the, the owner of the house that brings out of the storeroom both old and new. Old things are important. Obviously, the Old Testament's important, right? Us old people are important, aren't we? That's right. <laughs> I knew I was going to catch y'all back in with me here yet. But, you know, the Old Testament teaches us so much history. It teaches about how God moved, taught us the law, taught us about the prophets. Our faith is deeply rooted in the Old Testament. If you leave it out, you're missing a lot. You know, there are some churches that they call, oh, we're a New Testament church. Well, are you really? How is that possible? If it wasn't for the Old Testament and the faith of our fathers, it taught us creation. Not what they try to teach us now. It's creation. God created heavens and the earth. Right? Remember that? He did it in six days. The seventh he rested. Everybody debates about the days. With God, it doesn't matter how long the days were. They could have been an hour. They could have been a thousand years. We don't know. We don't care. God did it. Right? God is God. And we have to understand that. So, it taught us creation. It taught us about our fathers of faith. I mean, you think about Abraham, Moses, Isaac, all those people, their faith and what it taught us and what it teaches us. We learn from them. We so many times forget to grab and learn the lessons from our forefathers, our fathers in the Bible, our fathers of the faith, our folks that really taught us so much. They struggle with the same junk we do. They really do. They had plagues, pandemic. They had people that didn't agree with them and tried to kill them. Other people that are against the faith. I mean, there's always been turmoil and things in the earth, and our, for, our fathers have showed through their faith how to combat that, and we forget to look at it and follow his faith, their faith. Under, we have to understand the way that God had to be really strong and, and expected unswerving faith. You know, I've, I've heard it told God in the, the Old Testament was a little meaner than the God of the New Testament. My guess is you've all probably heard that. Why? What did he do? He told them to do some things that were kind of like, really? You want him to wipe everybody out? Not leave anybody alive? That seems a little harsh. But God understood that he had to have strict standards to get the faith established strong in all of us. It, and it was tough. I mean, he had to make tough... I'm glad I'm not God and had to make those kind of tough decisions. And he's glad I'm not God too because I would make some stupid decisions. He held them to strict standards, pure faith, loyalty, repentance. He wanted them to build them up and get them ready for Jesus the Messiah to come. They had to be ready to receive what they were going to understand and come from. We've all know, we all know the wisdom that comes from those that have plowed through all the hard stuff, right? Let's face it, you, you want to talk to somebody that's already been through what you've been through. When, you've been, when you're having a tough time, you, you don't want to talk to somebody that can just read about it in a book or read it. You want somebody that's been there 
has the, the scars and the, and, the, and the welts and all the stuff that came along with it. And that's what he says. They've learned, we learn through study and experiences. We know that some things don't always work just from studying or hearing them when we, and putting them into practice. I can read about a lot of things. I'm going to come over here. Now, before you get afraid, I do not play piano, okay? But I'm going to come over here and mess with it. And what I'm saying is I can read about chords and I can read about how nice things sound and I hear, I go, oh, that's, that's pleasant, that's nice. You know, I can, I can have a nice chord. And then we know chord progressions go one, four, what? Let's see, five, right? Five, Ooh, let's get the right key. What's the right one? There it is. Five, one. I told you I'm not a pianist. One. But what I'm saying is it's a nice sounding chord. We also know that a seventh sounds nice. That sounds really nice, doesn't it? But for some reason, a, a minor second doesn't. That feel good? That feel comfortable? Y'all like that sound? You know, we, we hear that. And then we hear dissonances. You know, we, we've... You know, we like, we like that nice dissonant sound, sort of, but we want it to what? Resolve. Just like when we're playing an accord. See, that one didn't work right, did it? See? See, we know what it sounds bad, but we don't know it when we read it on a book. When I learned in theory, you know, I took theory, believe it or not, and I, and I took all that stuff, and like I said, the one, the four chord, the f and then one, you know, those things sound good, but you know, after a while, okay, yeah, duh. So sometimes you need to throw in a, something else. We know that music can sound sad, don't we? Right? It sounds sad. And why does it sound sad? It's in a minor key. What's a minor key? It's a lowered third. What's a lowered third? Don't matter. It sounds sad. Right? <laughs> right? That's how we feel. We, it, it can send our moods. We heard beautiful music this morning. It puts our mood in. Sounds, we can read about them, but we don't experience them. What do we get? Nothing. It, it, you can't read about what that sounds like. I read, read about it, trust me, I had all that theory stuff, and they made my head swim. Y'all have theory, y'all take all that stuff, yeah. If you play piano, you had to have some kind of theory, <laughs> and, and it was great fun. Believe it or not, I liked theory in college, that was one of those weird ones. But, um, but uh, it, anyway, theory is, is fun. We need harmony and we need dissonance. Oh, I was going to play the scale and then stop on the last note of the scale, drives the musicians nuts does they want to hear what the resolve do re mi fa so la ti no if they don't if they don't hear it they will sing it in their head i promise you that's what musicians do now some of you that aren't but even some of you kind of go you know something's not quite finished we don't we like what we like the ending we want it to come finished we need the harmony and dis dissonance in our lives we are constantly waiting on the chords to resolve we struggle, and if everything is perfect all the time, the old gets stale in the old. We need to conserve the good things of the past. A writer said that conservative is not an anti-progressive uh, or a killjoy. 
No, it's one that wants to conserve the good things of the past and build on those things to move on to the future. Think about that. That's what we're really headed for, where a lot of people try to put us conservatives, because let's face it, as Christians, we're conservative usually. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about anything. I'm just talking about our theology. And, and Southern Baptists especially are conservative theo- theologically. And so we, as we're conservative theologically, people think that we're killjoys and we want things only a certain way and that we don't like to see progress. And that's not the case at all. What we want is to keep what's sacred, sacred, keep truth, truth, do what we know is right, is right, and then move on and progress to incorporate other things. Jesus brought something new. He wanted those that came to him to see God. Not anything different, not anything. um, They wanted to see God's word and all they knew about it, and and he put it into what? A new light. They, They said all kinds of things. They, and he took it sometimes a little farther than they wanted to go. It says, thou shalt not kill. And he, he says, well, I, I'm telling you, that's, that's not it. Or thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, well, I'm not just talking about that. Anyone looks with lust of their eyes has committed adultery. He took it to a different level, didn't he? He took it a little stronger in some ways. But in other ways, he taught them, look, there is love. There's God. Man's not made, Sabbath's not made for man. Man's not made for the Sabbath. It's what? The Sabbath was made to get us to rest. And they were holding him to these standards. Well, you can't even heal on the Sabbath. You can't do good on the Sabbath. What's wrong with you? How, how can you say that? What's funny is they could pull their ox out of the ditch, but they couldn't put a person out of the ditch. You know, they had taken the law and what? Twisted it and squirmed it around in a way they wanted to hear it, the way they wanted to deal with it. We don't halt the world's progress but we use those new things with the things we know to be true in Christ and what he teaches. We know in a pandemic world, going door-to-door evangelizing doesn't work very well. However, we know in a pandemic world that people need Jesus more than ever. So what do we do? Well, we find ways to follow what we're taught and use as Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach us? As you go, tell others. So in your everyday life, you, op- you start conversations, you do things, and you get them talking about their salvation and lead them towards Christ. You have a sick neighbor. You take them some soup or you take them some groceries or you take care of them somehow. Jesus taught us how to evangelize the world without having to go, if you die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Or, you know, Turn or burn, you know? And and don't get me wrong, a lot of those programs work, and they do. Trust me, I've been through EE, I've been through Faith, I've been through, you know, all the different ones. I can't even remember them all. Four Spiritual Laws when I was growing up, the Roman Road. Now it's the ABCs if you listen to um, the Bible schools. It's all of sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess with your mouth. You know, there's lots of ways to tell them about the gospel. But not telling them is not one of the ways. And see, that's kind of where we go. Well, it's a pandemic world. I can't go door to door, so I just won't do anything. I'm not sure that's the answer. And I'm pretty sure God doesn't think so. Jesus told us to go. Take those things. Work on it. We all know how it feels to help someone. You ever help someone? Got that nice feeling, doesn't it? 
when you really go and you found you've helped someone, there is not a person in this room that want to help somebody when they're really in need. We do. Our problem is we just try to get the courage to do it and to say, oh, well, we need to do that. And sometimes we're going to have to be creative in our approach. And creative takes work. You know, my, I, you know, I used to do fellowships and things and, and have to come up with new exciting ways of fellowships and, and ideas. And I, and I got, it was hard to be creative every week. It was hard to be creative to keep young people interested in the Bible study. You know, it's hard. It, it, it is hard. It's hard to keep adults interested in Bible study week in and week out, isn't it? You, anybody that's led Sunday school or led any kind of Bible studies know what I'm talking about. After a while, you kind of go, now, how can I creatively put this where they'll jump in on this and, and not just click, right? Kind of like the noon hour does, click. Y'all catch up with that in a minute. We, we, the noon hour comes and the preacher's preaching, click, right? What's I let them out really early last week. Y'all missed it, you know, so I, I just found that out. I, I was walking out the door last week and go, looked at my watch. I hadn't looked at it until then. I looked at my watch and went, it's just now 12 and everybody's left. I must have let them out really early. <laughs> so I'll try to do better and keep you long today. No. <laughs> we as Christians approach life from a different perspective. Don't we? I hope. If we're not, as Christians, approaching life from a different perspective, we need to talk about your salvation, okay? I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to wake you all up enough to say, folks, look, we better look at life differently than those that don't have any hope. Because we do. We have Christ in us. Jesus dealt with a lot of sinners. <laughs> I, don't, I remember about him saying to change and to turn away. I don't remember him being judgmental. I don't remember him getting on to him and being condemning. He just said, to, I remember the, the lady, I, the one that pops in my mind, and one of the greatest stories to me is when they caught the woman in the, the act of adultery, and they all ready to stone her. They were ready to do it. And he starts writing in the dirt. We have no clue what he was writing. Some, some believe he was writing the sins of the people standing around, whatever it may be. We don't know what he was writing. But he said, those without sin can cast the first stone. And well, they started dropping their stones and leaving. Because they all knew. We all know we have all sinned. We're all messed up. We've all done junk wrong. But guess what? Christ says, look around you. Who's here? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more, right? Go and be, go behave yourself, woman, is what he said. You know? And that's what we need to learn is, yes, we need to change, but we don't need to condemn them. We have a world that needs hope. And they need compassion, and we have that truth that only they can hear from Christ. Christ is what they have. They have to understand that. The gospel can take care of itself. We don't have to defend it. Now, folks, I think sometimes we try to defend it. I think sometimes we try to say, well, you know, it's, you know I know it's a little harsh, but it really does work, and it's really good. No, folks, let the gospel handle the gospel. God can take care of himself. Y'all figured that out yet? We don't need to take care of it for him. We don't have to answer it. We don't have to stand up. We don't have to. He can take care of that thing. What we do is we must believe it. And if we believe it, and people see that we have a strong belief in that, they will be much more open to it. But if they see we're wishy-washy about it, 
Okay, well, yeah, I know it's in, but it's not really that. It's really, folks, they click. They don't care. They don't need that. They need to know something that's true. They need to be open. They'll reject it quickly if they feel like we don't have a clue about it. Our old life must become new. Rebirth. We call it born again, don't we? You must be born again. What in the world does that mean? That means you start all over. It's a fresh slate. Now, folks, a new car is nice, but you show me a vintage car that's been restored and really looks good. Worth a lot more than new cars, aren't they? You know, I, was, I, I watch that Barrett's Auto auction sometimes and, and some of the prices they get for some of those old cars. I kind of wish I'd kept my old Nova, you know, I wish I'd kept my old, you know. Some of those things, I look back and go, golly, what they're worth now. But see, that's old technology, but it still is distinguishing and vintage in this time, and it, and it looks great. But guess what? New life in Christ is more than a facelift. It's total regeneration from inside out. You are brand new again. You're a completely different attitude, hopefully. A different outlook, hopefully. A different point of view. We see things heavenly. We see things from a total different perspective. And the world needs to see a people that are so excited about what God's done in their lives that they have a different perspective on life. They have a different perspective on all the junk that's going on. Because if we're not showing any change, they're doomed. They have no hope. We see these people, they, the people show God sees a treasure, and what did he do? He gave all he had for it. He's saying that if you really see this treasure, if you think that heaven is that treasure, if you think Christ is that treasure, you'd be willing to give everything up for it. Jesus gave everything up for it. He gave everything he was, everything he had. Gave up heaven to come down here so he could die on, the, on a cross, be humiliated and shamed for you and me to have eternal life with him. That's the gospel. That's good news. If that isn't good news to you, well, folks, I don't know what I could tell you. Because we have the possibility of heaven and, and eternity with our Savior and our God, the creator of everything, the one that wants to give us life. You think the music is exciting here this morning? You ain't heard nothing until we get to heaven. Folks, it is going to be amazing. And you're going to be wanting to be right in the middle. Of it. And guess what? Our voices will all be good. My voice isn't that great, you know? But guess what? I might get to play trumpet with Gabriel. Would that be cool? I can't imagine, you know? I mean, think about it. I mean, this is going to be, you talk about an orchestra. Whoa, you know? I mean, this is going to be, and we should be excited about that. And so many times we just kind of go, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know, it's hard. Really? We have a place in eternity with God and Jesus who gave up everything for us. The gospel is good news. And our world needs to hear good news. Jesus finished his lesson, and what did he do? He kept going. He knew he had more to do. He didn't quit. He didn't stop because too many people needed to hear from him.
too many people need to hear from us to stop. We can't just sit back and go, well, it's going to be all right. Somebody will lead them to Christ. Somebody will tell them about it. They don't need me. No, folks, they need you. Because you know what? There are people I'll never, ever reach. But you can. There are people that you can reach, you can't reach, that I can. You see, God made us all different. Our personalities are all Have you all figured that out yet? Our personalities are all real different. We have things that really make us mad, things that don't. We have things that make us feel good, things that don't. We're all different, every one of us in this room. We have a unique personality, we are a unique person, and we have unique gifts. Use them. That's what they're for. And your unique gift is something somebody needs to hear. They need to see how you've gotten through some junk in your life. Because I look around this room, my guess is all of you have been through some kind of junk. And it was not pleasant, but you plowed through somehow. Usually with God's help. And, and in my case, God has to drag me through it. Sometimes you just kind of, come on, let you don't. And, no, I don't want to do me. Yeah, you are. Come on. And I get drugged through it. And I'm on the other side. How does that happen? We have a Lord that saves us and loves us. He yet lets us use old and new pulled together. He uses both sides. The message puts it a great way. He says, he said, now you know every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. Isn't that nice? Exactly when you need it. And folks, <laughs> we need it. And this world needs it. And they need you to show them you can get through this. God is good. He loves you. He gave everything for you so that you could be saved. So that you could have a heavenly attitude and outlook on life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence and we thank you for your word and what it teaches us. Help us, Lord. Help us use all the things at our disposal, all the things we've learned in the past, all the new things coming out, everything together, so that we can help win this world to you. Lord, this world is dying and needs you desperately. Help us to be part of the answer. Give us strength, courage, and the willingness to do that. And we'll give you the honor and glory because you are our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is our time of invitation. We invite you to come if you'd like to receive Christ. If you've never accepted him as your Savior, this would be a great day to do that. If you'd like to unite with this church, it's a wonderful fellowship. We would love to have you come to be part of Forest Heights. You may have other decisions you need to make. This is your time as we sing.